0: Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast. My name is Travis Wyckoff. If you're new here, we talk all things leadership. I interview leaders with one goal in mind, and that is to learn what elite leadership looks like and what separates the great leaders from the rest of the pack. This week is part two of my conversation with Tyler Pacek. Tyler is a mental performance coach. He's the founder of PASIC Performance Group and has been continuously acknowledged both regionally and nationally as an industry leader in the field of sports psychology. I hope you enjoy part two of my conversation with Tyler Pacek. You're in a group of, you got 30 coaches that are listening to you, you walk on stage, you've got 15 minutes. What what is the one message you want to get across? What are you going to drive in? What are you going to stress to those coaches that they can then take to their athletes?
1: asking questions, being more curious with your athletes, um, instead of just assuming catching yourself, assuming, and then, uh, getting back to asking them a question, you know, Hey, here's what I'm seeing. What are you feeling? You know, here's what I think you need to do. What, like, what comes to mind when I say this, you know, or, Oh man, that was awesome. That uh, things just stacked up perfectly for you right there. Like what was going on for you mentally? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What were you visualizing? Um, any, any sort of question like that, or just outside of your actual sport, asking them questions about their, their personal life, you know, how they grew up and how they did all those things. Cause like, that's how you build trust. The one thing I learned from, uh, skip Johnson at university of Oklahoma like I got a lot, I got a lot of time with him off the field and he would, you know, he talks to like the GM of this team and the head coach of this team and all these like high profile guys in the MLB all the way down through high school. And it was so cool to listen to him. And he always says, he's like, life is a relationships game. You know, like, that's how I got my job at OU. That's how I got all my jobs. It was all relationships. And the one thing that I learned from him is that like, he's constantly ebbing and flowing between personal conversation and business conversation, personal and business, personal and business. And so like you intertwine yourself with this person and they trust you and they care about you and you learn things about them and uh, you care about them in return, you know, and it just like deepens the relationship. And then when they come to you with something or you go to them with something like, you know, that they care and you know, that they, you guys have this trust and whatnot. So. It all gets back to again being curious and asking asking better questions based off of the environment that you're that you're in at that time.
0: Okay, I love that. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a couple more questions and then I'm gonna get to the the uh, ask more, tell less. You're on stage, same scenario, and you've got to you've got to talk to them about a a mental skill, something of mental performance, and maybe even give them an exercise or or like a Hey, here's, here's a two Hey, do this, do this exercise with your athletes. Is there anything that comes to mind? Again, you have 15 minutes, so it's short. You got to be really zeroed in on one thing. Anything come to mind?
1: Yeah. This one exercise that I love doing and it's worked every single time I've done it. Um, it's just a self-talk exercise really. So you're just, so you go in and you basically say, okay, what what's like your, what's your mental cue right now? What's the one thing that you're focused on um, to be successful in this next thing? And whatever they say. So maybe they say, oh, I'm focused on being balanced. Maybe it's, I'm just focused on keeping my hands inside the ball. Then as the coach, you say, okay, like I'm going to be your thoughts on this round. And you basically just be their thoughts. So like when, if they're talking about hitting a barrel, it's like, okay, barrel, barrel barrel, big barrel, catch a barrel right here, you know, a strong barrel, see that, see that ball driving off the, driving off the barrel right up the middle, you know, or into the opposite center gap or whatever it might be. And you're just talking to them and they'll see that like they start to get more of the results that they want. Hmm. Um, so for instance, I was working with a basketball player and his thing, he was like three for 20 shooting these, shooting these threes. And he's a professional basketball player, 28 years old. And uh, he made three out of 20. He was in a bad place or not a good place. And um, I go up to him and I'm like, okay, like, what are you focused on right now? He's like trying to make it in. And I was like, all right, well, like when things are going really well, what do you like to focus on? He's like, well, when things are going really well, all I like to focus on is getting it up and getting it off, getting it up and getting it out. I'm like, okay, get it up, get it out. And so I'm like, I'll be your thoughts on this next one, you know? And so he starts getting the ball passed to him and I'm just like, get it up, get it out, get it up, get it out, get it up, get it out. That's all I said over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, he literally made on that next round 17 out of 20. So he flipped his, he flipped his results completely. And he was like, Oh my gosh, it actually, it actually works. You know Um, that that's basically the, the response that I get from every athlete that's never done something like that before they go, Holy crap, this is actually working. And the reason that it works is because uh, you have your short-term memory and you have your long-term memory and your long-term memory is where that automatic memory lies, that memory that just like allows you to go out there and do it. And so in order to get to that though, in order to get to that automatic phase of our brain, and body system, we need to, everything first goes through the short-term memory part of our brain first. So we need to get that to like skip over that short-term memory. And the way that we do that is by intentionally filling our short-term memory with a helpful and useful phrase or word. Uh, So for him, it was up and out, get it up and out, up and out, up and out, up and out. You know, another basketball player that I worked with, um, it was his like, set my feet, set my feet, set my feet, set my feet. And so that one was pretty cool because we did that in practice. And then he had a game the next day, this, this set my feet athlete, and he missed his first three shots. And so, uh, one interesting like piece about confidence, I think is like people deriving their confidence from past results. Mm. And so like, if you derive your confidence from past results, well, then he should have been you know, just decimated because he missed his first three shots. Therefore he shouldn't have confidence in his fourth shot, you know, but instead he started talking to himself intentionally and being like, all right, set your feet, set your feet, set your feet, set your feet. And because he was doing that, he actually got into a rhythm and wound up making the next five out of six that he took and uh, really helped his team um, win that game. So that one was pretty cool, but yeah, you have to, um, intentionally fill your short-term memory with that purposeful, productive thought that is going to help you perform out there so that you're, you can actually get into the automatic phase of doing things.
0: Yeah. Okay. So if confidence doesn't come from our results, where, where do you think, how, how would an athlete derive grow their confidence? And yeah, where do they derive their confidence from?
1: Uh, I would say that, in the moment, like when they're out there actually competing, um, the place that you build your confidence from is literally what you're saying to yourself in that moment. Um, because we speak in words, but our brain thinks in images and our images get transferred through the emotional side of our brain into our body as feelings. And so how do we duplicate that feeling of a good pitch, of a good swing, of a good shot? Um, well, like it really comes down to the words that we're using and the images that we're creating in our brain. So, um, with that, yeah, I would say it's in the moment understanding, having that self-awareness again of like, am I thinking productive thoughts right here or not productive thoughts, you know, unproductive thoughts.
0: Yeah, And,
1: um, so that's where I would say confidence comes from on a moment to moment basis, literally what you're thinking to yourself.
0: And how much do you, uh, talk to athletes about visualization?
1: Um, I actually don't talk a whole bunch about visualization. I would say that if we, I don't like necessarily go out there and be like, you need to visualize this, right. Or like go through mental imagery. Um, I don't necessarily talk about that. I'd talk more about like, putting words to those pictures inside of your brain or like if they're describing a feeling then I'm like okay like let's put words to this feeling somebody that tells me that they're a feel athlete quote-unquote or like oh it's really just a feel thing for me what I what I think in my head and sometimes tell them if I have a relationship with them is like okay well what a feel athlete is telling me is that they just don't have the self-awareness around what that feel means because if and that they probably can't consistently get back to that feel like the high level athletes that I've talked to when they describe a feel, it's incredible. The depth that they go into Mm -hmm. Or, or the ones that are high level that are consistent, consistently high level, um, or like are really like tapping out their potential, you know, like they're really good at getting in and telling me exactly what that feel is like. Whereas the more inconsistent ones, they, show up one day and they have the feel and maybe they're able to keep it for a couple of weeks, you know, or months, but then eventually that feel goes away and they, they tank. Yeah. And so because they don't have that awareness around what words they're using to describe that feel, it's harder for them to consistently get back there.
0: Yeah. That's really fascinating. Um, so would you say that if somebody is visualizing, as long as they're using words to see, let's just use the, the, the the shooter that, um, that I forget had a base or balance. Uh, Set your feet. Set your feet. There you go. Um, As he's visualizing it, do you think that helps to visualize it and also see and actually say in your mind, set your feet. And then as he, as he sees it. Yeah. I'm curious because uh, I think there's a lot of people that will talk, and you mentioned it, words. I can't remember exactly how you 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 phrased it. We, we
1: speak with words and they create images in our brain and those images get transferred into our body as physical feelings.
0: There you go. Which made me think visualization. So um, do you think it's beneficial to visualize as you're in, in, in using those words, like literally either in your in, in your brain, in your internal voice, or maybe even out loud?
1: Yeah. I I mean, out loud self-talk, I love out loud self-talk. I'll actually ask athletes to to talk out loud while they're doing things because it's really hard to get overwhelmed while talking out loud. Hmm. Um, Because like, it's really hard to think about a whole lot of things other than what you're saying at that exact moment. Um, So I think out loud self-talk is one of the quickest and most effective ways to get out of that, like anxious fight or flight, overwhelmed feeling where you feel like you're just like thinking about everything and, um, get back to your ideal performance state. Cause you'll almost, you'll talk yourself into it or when you're talking out loud, you'll notice what words you're using. And then you're like, oh, like, obviously that's not helping. I'm focused on, uh, how this ump is screwing me or I'm focused on this other person, you know, instead of focusing on what I need to do to be successful
0: right now. Yeah. It's really good. Um, Is there any, trying to think of the the right way to ask this question. Are are there any like just commonly held beliefs in the mental skills side of things that you're just like, man, I disagree. I know it is kind of quote unquote, you know, common knowledge or people believe it, but I disagree with it. Is there anything that floats out in the, the mental performance space that you, yeah, you just disagree with?
1: Um that's a good question. The maybe it's not mental performance per se. I mean, I would I would group it into mental performance, but like using superlatives when coaching, um, or using superlatives when you're speaking with somebody, I just don't agree with superlatives at all. Like saying never and always are or like um every time. Right. Like using words like that can be incredibly destructive to an athlete's um, like self image. And not only that, but to the coach's self image too. Like if they're using words like that, like, oh, every time I get into this situation, I do this. It's like, okay, well, is that true? You know, yeah, probably not. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when we get into like a tough or honest conversation with, somebody whether that's again an athlete or maybe it's a significant other i mean maybe maybe you notice this in your own life but i know that like um when i'm in a when i have an honest conversation with like my brother for instance and i say every time that you do this like or like you do this all the time you know uh it like instantly the first thing they say first of all they get defensive because that's pretty judgmental to say that they do that every time. And then the first thing they do is they rebut against it. They say like, not every time, you know, it's not always, it's Mm -hmm. not never, you know? So um, those, those sort of words I really don't agree with. The the only time that I can see them working is when you tell yourself things like, um, oh, I always make my next shot. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. cause you're putting in your head, this idea that, you know, like the next one's going to go in. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, I've never, I've never lost my, my next game of pool, you know, <laughs> like I think that's kind of a funny twist to put on it, but other than that, I, I don't know. I really don't like when, when people use the words never and always, or every time, especially when working with athletes from a, from a coaching standpoint. And then when I hear an athlete say like, oh man, I always have negative thoughts in this situation. It's like, okay, well that's a limiting belief. Like let's break that down. Yeah. You know, like it can't be every time there has to be one time. And if they can't think about one time at that moment, then over the next three weeks, like that's our job. Okay. Like over the next three weeks, our, our job is to find one moment in time when you didn't think the way that you think you always think.
0: Sure.
1: So yeah, Yeah. (laughs) the superlatives, uh, those piss me off. Yeah. I would say, or they get me, they, it's not like being, you know, the difference between like being angry at someone and being angry for someone, you know, like they just, they get me like agitated for like the person's future self. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. About seven years ago, uh, maybe longer, I uh, came across a document called communication jammers. And one of the things that they said would jam up communication is the using the always or never. And it's, it's really interesting in my, in my household. I, um, so I shared this with the family. And then as, you know, as my son, um, either both sons or my daughter use the word never or always, always correct them. Well, invariably, as we all know how parenting goes, I say that you always this or you never put load your dishes. And my my kids will be quick to correct me like never. Like never (laughs) and I'm like, well, most of the time, you know. So it's kind of been it's it's been good, but the tables have been turned on me multiple times. But to your point man it is it is an interesting when you think about it what you're trying to do is kind of back somebody into a corner what you're trying to do is almost gain leverage on them and so the word never or always just puts them in a tough situation and then when you, i mean in a marriage it's not good and then i could totally see if you're in a coach athlete relationship what that does to an athlete
1: yeah it destroys trust like yeah. it destroys the relationship yep you know And I mean, at some level, there's that same, like in, you brought up marriage, you know, like in a marriage, you need to have trust, right. In a coaching and athlete relationship, you need trust. Mm -hmm. And so like, when you use words like that, I like how you said, you know, it's like backing them into a corner, like there's no way out then. Right. But if you say most of the time, or you say sometimes, or you say Hey the last two times we've been in this situation, this is what has happened right right Then again, that opens up the door for a conversation instead of it just being like you telling the person. Totally. That's good. And okay. it doesn't create uh, self-reliance in the long run. All right go on.
0: Yeah, sorry. ask more tell less. Um, why that what 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 is so important for a coach? And I would just say, almost in any relationship, but let's obviously coach to athlete. What is so important about asking more and telling less? Why is that such a big deal to you? What What do you think is the uh, importance of that?
1: Well, there are a couple of things that come to mind, but the first one is trust. Like at the end of the day, it's all about building trust. You can't get the results that you want unless your team trust each other. And really one of the only ways that you can build trust is through how you're expressing yourself with your words, um, or like being curious with the other person and wondering what's going on up top in their brain, because like, it would be nice, you know, sometimes if you could just see inside of the brain of somebody, but you can't, so you really, you really don't know until you ask. And so I would say that, that like trust building factor is, is the biggest one. And like I had talked about before, like life is a relationships game. So if you want to build a relationship, you gotta be, you gotta be more curious with them. You can't just tell them all the time about you. You have to ask questions about them. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing, one like reminder I have set for myself when I go and like, I work with my professional clients is like, say I'll fly into their, um, to their home airport. Well, I have a reminder on my phone set up so that when I get into that area of the airport, the reminder goes off on my phone and it says TBT, talk about them, you know, just like a reminder, because like, how else am I supposed to build that relationship if I don't ever know like who they are? Um, So that's, that's the biggest one I would say is like that, that trust factor. And once you have trust, then you're able to, Um, communicate about the different issues that might be standing in the way of you actually committing to the goal. And then once you do get that commitment, you can hold each other accountable. You know, like a lot of people want to skip right to accountability but it's like, well, if you aren't discussing the ideas and the goals of the team, then you're never going to be able to hold each other accountable to that because you won't be on the same page. But going back a step further, you won't be on the same page if you don't trust each other to share your ideas and share your um, emotions and thoughts around um, the yeah where you want to go. So, and then of course, you know, if we do hold each other accountable then we'll start getting the results that we want because we'll be moving more effectively and efficiently and usefully in the direction that we're, we're going, we're going to get there faster, you know, it's good. So that's, that's probably the biggest one that, that comes to mind. And then the second one is really like ask more, tell less. It, it helps you to it's it, it helps you get off of that surface level and really helps you dive deep with your athletes. So again, you can speed up that learning curve for them. Um, and help get them to where they want to be faster because, you know, you're asking them more and telling them less. It would, I think a lot of coaches run into the, run into the bind of telling their athlete what to do. And then when their athlete doesn't do it or doesn't get it, they give up and yeah, label that athlete as dumb, or they label that athlete as, uh, incapable, mm-hmm. you know, when in reality, it's like, you might just not be using the right words yep. to, to try and get out of them, what you're trying to get out of them. You know, like you might be saying, um, like move your hands away from your shoulder, for instance, to like create separation, um, in your swing. This is just a mechanical cue. Um, and it's not connecting with them. You know, they're not doing it over and over and over again. And then you go, <sighs> move your hands away from your shoulder. Like how many times do I have to say it? And, uh, and then all of a sudden you're yelling at them or when in reality, like they might, you might have to just change up the cue a little bit. And, uh, or like when things do stack up for them correctly, you might think that, uh, like your cue was the best one. And that's the reason why it worked. When in reality, the athlete intuitively, instead of telling himself to push his hands away from his shoulder, he said, okay, bring my hands to the catcher you know, which is a completely different thing, but, um, like you would never know that if you didn't yeah. ask him. And so you're continually saying this thing that isn't connecting with your athlete. Um, so yeah, asking more and telling less helps speed up the learning curve as well and move your, move your athlete towards that self-reliance more effectively.
0: Do you, do you think, do you think the importance of asking questions has increased, um, just where we're at in our culture Or has it always been there? It's just now getting more traction or it's just becoming more apparent. I think that this new, the new athlete nowadays,
1: um, is craving this. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they want to be told all the time what to do anymore. And I think in our society, you know, like that's, that's becoming more and more of a, um, that's looked at as bad. I would say nowadays is like, if, if you're getting told what to do, because then we feel like this lack of control in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to feel more in control, then like we have to be more willing to make our own decisions, you know, and understand that like, we have a choice in the matter. And so like when you're giving them a choice and you're allowing them to make their own decisions, they're going to, trust you more and trust themselves more, um, with what they're doing.
0: Yeah. It's really good. Um, okay. I end with three questions. Uh, the first one is what are you currently reading or maybe listening to that's, uh, helping you grow, keeping you sharp?
1: Uh, currently there's a, a couple of, there's a few books actually. Um, I'm reading, I'm rereading all of these books, but they're compete to be great which is an audible. I think it might be free on audible. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think it's free. So compete to be great. And then I'm reading, let your mind run by Dina Castor, which she's the female American record holder in the marathon. It's one of my like favorite books. I've read this book probably like five times, at least five times. Um, and then the third book is captain's class by Sam Walker. So I'm rereading this one as well right now. Uh, Those are, but those are the three, three books that I'm currently reading.
0: Okay. There's a coach out there and um, they've got, they can read one book the rest of their life. And it's got to be about mental performance. One book, the best book you've ever read, the most impactful book you've ever read. What would you, um, what would you tell them to read?
1: Oh my gosh, that's tough. Um, so the book that inspired me to write, ask more, tell less for coaches is ask more, tell less, the practical guide to creating self-reliant children. And I mean, that book literally changed my life and how I see the world. And not only that, but every person that I have recommended it to, it's also changed the way that they interact in their relationships. And like I said, like we can't live outside of a relationship. There's no, there's no life that doesn't involve any sort of relationship. And um, that's not just human to human relationships, but that's like, you know, like you have a relationship with your environment around you as well. And so like, it just makes you see the world a little differently and gives you strategies for actually um, building those relationships in a, in a helpful and productive way. So I don't know it would either be, I don't want to sound at the risk of sounding um, arrogant or um, egotistical <laughs> uh, probably either that original book, ask more, tell less or um, the book that I rewrote with Greg Warburton, the co-author, yeah. um, "Ask More, Tell Less for Coaches," because all of that will carry over into um, your coaching and into your personal life. Like, so I guess like any relationships book that gives you like tangible strategies and gives you the how-to, not just like this overall theory or you know umbrella sort of stuff. I think those would really help.
0: It's good. By the way, I'm looking up a book I read about five years ago by Michael Bungay Stanier that is um The Coaching Habit: Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever. Michael mm-hmm. Bungay Stanier. Uh phenomenal. Yeah. Book. I read it maybe in 2016, I think is when I read it. It's very, very much in line with what you're what you're talking about. So.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um I think I've
1: read that one as well uh a while ago. I can't really remember but I think our were there a lot of like okay, here's here's like some practical strategies that you can use to actually ask more and tell less. Um I think that's one thing that like makes our book a little different. Is that like, you know, we give you sentence structures, like when you do ABC, I start to get the idea that, you know, you are doing this, you know, or um, we like another one would be like, how much longer do you plan on dot, dot, dot? So like, say they say something like, oh man, I'm so dumb. Oh man, I'm so stupid. Or like, oh man, I can never like do this. You know, Uh, you might just say to them like, oh, how much longer do you plan on believing that? or how much longer do you plan on not helping the team clean up after practice? Yeah. Um, How much longer do you plan on calling yourself dumb? Does calling yourself dumb work for you or work against you? You know? So like, that's one thing we do in the book is actually like give specific things you can say and build off of. So we give you like a solid base to work from.
0: Um, But yeah. Yeah. Love it. Okay. uh, Second question. What advice would you give a young person? They are just getting done with their playing days and they are totally into the mental skills, the mental performance world. They love it. What advice would you give a young person just getting in your field?
1: Hmm. Uh, Make sure that it is something that you're actually really passionate about because uh, at this time in the field, There's not a whole bunch of like, it's not like becoming a lawyer, you know, you go to school to become a lawyer and then you join a firm uh, and then you like start doing lawyer stuff, you know, like, but with mental performance, it's not like that. There's not a whole, a whole bunch of jobs outside of the military and the MLB that you can just like go and and join. It's, it's really self-driven and Mm um there really has to be some sort of passion behind it. And then like understanding your end goal, like what is your end goal? Do you want to work with teams? Do you want to work with individuals? Do you want to work with colleges? Do you want to, um, do you want to teach sports psychology, um, or something like that? Like, so what is the end goal for you? And then from that end goal, you can really create this path for yourself. You know, if like you want to work one-on-one, uh, with athletes, at a high level, then it's like, well, you probably, instead of just getting a certification, you probably need to go back to school and get a degree in like mental health counseling, you know, or if you just want to work with, if you just want to get up on stage and, and teach, you know, talk for 45 minutes and be more like a a motivational speaker that goes in. Well then, yeah, you could just get certain. You don't even need to get certified. You just need to like get a marketing certification, you know? Um, So it really depends on your end goal. I would ask, that would be the, that would be my advice. Like what is your end goal? And then work from there. What do you see yourself
0: doing inside of mental performance? It's good. It's really good. And the last question I end with this, uh, who would you like to hear on this podcast, share their journey, um, their background? Um, Yeah. Who would you like to hear? Um,
1: I would say probably actually from like, the athlete's perspective of how mental skills has helped them better themselves and their team and their their coaches as well like there's this guy patrick holbrook who um runs at st louis university and like we've been working together for probably like five or six years now And like, he basically is the coach of his team. And in, in the book, captain's class, Sam Walker talks about how, like, it's, you know, it's not the head coach and it's not the team that makes the team great. It's like, there's, there's one person that is like that, that glue guy or that captain on the team that is basically the coach out there on the field. And, and they're the ones that like shift the culture and help these teams win over, over the long run. And so, uh like Patrick is one of those guys at St. Louis, you know, when he went there, they were not good and now they're good. Hmm. And, uh, so, and he went from literally being the last person to cross the line. He he runs cross country and, uh, you know, long distance events. He went from being the last person to cross the line to being like the first person and breaking the school record in the steeplechase. Yeah. So, um, and he's got really interesting perspective on, uh, on how to deal with coaches, how to deal with athletes, how to deal with, um, you know, the student athlete life in general. It's but really I think cool. he'd, I think he'd be, he'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. And probably. like, cause like team athletes, you know, like we can talk to coaches and stuff like that, but like the athletes having them take ownership of their lives like that's what gets me excited about mental performance too like that self-awareness once you become self-aware and understand that you're in control of your thoughts like your thoughts aren't in control of you you're in control of your emotions your emotions aren't in control of you um then like that's where that like self-reliance truly comes from yeah and autonomy and
0: ownership of your life it's really good uh, dude, thanks for your time. This has been really, really good. Um, where can people find your book if people are interested in working with you? Where can they find more about you? Where they, where they, where can they contact you? Yeah. Uh,
1: so the book's on Amazon. Uh, Ask more, tell less for coaches. If you type that in, it should pop up. And then Instagram, PASIC Performance Group, and email Tyler at PAISIC Performance Group. Um, and then if you want to. Yeah. Reach out about working one-on-one or the teams want to work with me or you want to bring me in to talk to your team. Uh, just hitting me up eight, four, seven, nine, two, two, one, three, seven, one, or going on to my website, com and filling out that contact form.
0: Love it. Love it. Tyler. Great stuff, man. Good to see you again this morning. And, uh, yeah, again, thanks for your time.
1: I see you as well. See you Travis.